The Bonfires of Social Enterprise with Detroit-based Rami Gingrass of Gingrass Global. On this episode, you'll meet Marion Janner. She's the founder of Star Wars, which is a not-for-profit in the UK. Star Wars provides resources and incentives to mental wards. She was so humble and hilarious as she shared with me that her own journey in this organization began while she was spending time in a mental ward. She noticed how frustrated and anxious the staff was and decided to do something about it. Just as a not-for-profit social enterprise should begin, her initial focus was on the social impact and improvements of the mental wards. She's now moving towards capacity building by growing her team and fully exploring the enterprise revenue model. Listen now to the great Marion Janner of Star Wars. I started about 10 years ago after I was compulsorily detained in a psychiatric hospital, which sounds pretty terrible. And I suppose experientially it was, um, it was tough, but, um, but it was very therapeutic. I was obviously a complete wreck, which is why I had to be sent to hospital against my will. But while I was there, I had fantastic treatment from the staff and indeed the other patients. Um, but it was... It was a very under-resourced ward um, in a tough part of London. And when I left, I, I reflected on what I had experienced and, and what the staff and the patients, and just felt that I wanted to do something practical to help um, and that there were some quite simple things I felt that could be done that would make a big impact. So initially, I just jotted down some ideas, and they sort of took off. This all came out of you observing during your stay. I read a little bit of that on your website. Gosh, keep going. What did you observe? Okay. Well, thank you. Well, Star Wars adopted a very, very different approach to um, almost everything that had gone before it. Now, like in America and um, most other countries, there's enormous fear of uh, mental health hospitals and also a lot of a huge number of sort of misconceptions and uh, historically how um, how efforts have been made to improve mental health wards they've been very very oppositional um, very confrontational and I think extremely rude and my own experience was that these were heroic staff doing absolutely the best they could, but in very difficult circumstances and in an environment which was as disempowering of the staff as it was of patients. So our approach right from the start has been to be extremely appreciative of staff. So that in itself marks it out as completely different to everything that's gone before it because I suppose I, I characterise what has uh, previously happened in terms of campaigning to improve mental health inpatient care as being simply shouting at staff, just really sort of shouting at them, I mean in print, um, but telling them that they're doing a terrible job and the service is crap and everything's crap and they're crap and that's just wrong. I mean, it's completely, it's a total, very offensive misreading of the situation and of the extremely skillful, very caring staff. And also, it didn't help. I mean, I, I believe it made things much worse because it made staff feel worse and led into lower morale. I mean, I am truly so grateful to the staff. Um, I'm a very, very difficult inpatient. Um, 
I um, I have very self-destructive behaviour. I'm not at all cooperative. Um, <laughs> and the staff were just nothing but patient and kind and tolerant. So I wanted our whole approach to reflect that. Uh, I mean, there is a there is a sort of um, a theory or an approach called appreciative inquiry. And it, it's usually used, as I understand it, by consultants who go into organisations and rather following, rather than following the traditional route of looking for what's going wrong and trying to fix it, appreciative inquiry is all about finding what's going right and amplifying that. So that's very much our approach. I feel like I'm lighting up in my heart over what you're talking about <laughs> uh, because of the human nature of this. We we uh, experience so much as human beings, even you're talking about inside of an institution, just the world in general of all the people we run into, people need encouragement desperately. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. So our starting point is to be genuinely appreciative in everything we do, um, including when we're making suggestions about things that can be done differently that you know we believe would be helpful to the staff and to the patients. But it's not coming from a position of criticism saying, look, you're wrong and everything you're doing is wrong and it's been wrong and you know you are bad people. But saying, look, you're bloody wonderful and you are absolutely doing your best. And here are some, what the Guardian newspaper, when they wrote up about um, Star Wars, they referred to as polite suggestions. So, <laughs> what, so that's sort of what we do is we make polite enthusiastic suggestions for things that that we have discovered from other wards that they have found helpful so again it's not just me sitting up in north london spouting and saying oh try this try that you know I've, i have had a great idea what we do is we discover what's working really well for wards and we share that and the phrase we love to hear more than anything else is oh we could do that and luckily, we, we hear that all the time from wards because they are desperate to do a, jo a good job. They are they're certainly not in it for the money or the prestige or the hours or, or indeed the, the whole experience, which is extremely tough. I mean, it's very, very tough day in, day out working with people who are acutely mentally ill and frankly not particularly appreciative <laughs> at the time. I mean, it's not an easy gig. And the reason they do it is because they are utterly committed and very skillful. And what works best for a, a small ward in a seaside town is completely different to what works best for a busy, multi-ethnic ward in the middle of the inner city. So we absolutely encourage wards to just take whatever they want, do whatever they want with it, adopt it, adapt it, whatever is helpful. And I suppose that's the other, that's the second big feature of Star Wars. Firstly, we're appreciative. And secondly, we're practical. I know both from my experience of being an inpatient on several occasions, sometimes on a voluntary basis, sometimes not. <laughs> but I, I know from that experience and also from running uh, community-based services, so, um, including things like 20-bedded hostels, so I, I have a real appreciation of what is possible, what is realistic, because there's no point just shouting at staff and demanding things that they cannot do, that they haven't got the resources to do, they haven't had the training to do, haven't got the money to do. There's just no point in doing it. What is appropriate is to make practical suggestions about small changes 
that require no extra funding, no different staffing, but doing things slightly differently turn out to work really well for staff, for patients and for visitors. And that gives everyone a real boost in, in confidence and morale and energy and, and it improves relationships because the single most important thing on mental health wards are relationships, relationships between staff and patients and relationships between patients ourselves. And so when good things are happening on the ward and it's feeling dynamic and positive and confident, then more good things follow. It's very exciting. This applies to so many things. So, yes. so Star Wards, the name, I, I can't help but think of rewarding in the name is that how the name came to be it just popped into my head (laughs) Um, and really of course it's a sort of play on the film but we don't we don't do any sort of Darth Vader stuff partly because um, I'm not actually a big um, devotee of the film so I don't really know anything about it (laughs) but it it just gave it a bit of a sort of um, a bit of a hook to hang it on that ward staff had been longing for something really affirming and practical and realistic. And suddenly this sort of mad person in North London has come up with a bunch <laughs> of stuff. And and they very generously and open-mindedly and creatively embraced it. And, and, the, and the staff themselves have developed it way beyond, which is all part of the process. So, for example, we created a conversational resource for wards called TalkWell, because conversation can be surprisingly difficult on wards, particularly if there's not a lot of activity. If there's not a lot of activity, there's actually not much to talk about. So anyway, we created a resource. And the next thing we knew was that one of the trusts had designed a training program around it. Now, we didn't design it. They designed a training program, and then they shared that program with other trusts, so other trusts can benefit from it. So it's very open source. It's very generous, very sharing. Wow. I love this positive speaking. I I call that speaking life into people, giving them ways to speak life to each other, speaking life over them. I think people in general feel a little taller <laughs> when yes, they feel recognized. <laughs> you know. Yes. Yeah, Marion. What are what is uh, it with the animals? Is that one of the potential techniques they can employ in the wards? Yes, very much so. I have um, a support dog, Buddy, much loved on mental health wards. So this is actually an American import. We don't have a scheme in the UK for assistance dogs for mentally ill people. But luckily, I um, I met someone in the UK who had a support dog and she told me about it and I um, got the jacket from America and um, and got my doctor to, um, to write a little letter saying that because of my disability I require an assistance dog and um, which has completely changed my life because it means that Buddy can come with me everywhere including to mental health wards so Buddy has visited hundreds of wards and is a total star they just love her there she's a very laid back Tibetan terrier she's very very sweet and as soon as she goes on the ward she's a people magnet and so everyone just they all crowd round her and they're stroking her and talking to her and talking to me and talking about their pets and um, and they really really appreciate that contact with an animal and it has made me evangelical about the benefits of 
pets, preferably dogs, but also anything, hamsters, guinea pigs on wards, because it enables a type of interaction and relationship that simply isn't possible human to human. And particularly for people who are who are in such a bad state that they just can't bear human to human contact, but actually having a little furry creature that they can talk to, they can stroke, they can look after, they can have a responsibility towards is highly, highly therapeutic. And there's a huge evidence base behind this. So we strongly encourage wards to, to have pets. That's beautiful. We, we notice a lot of that here in the U.S. as well. I love it that, that it can, they can be such diffusing agents. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Um, and their role is so, it's so, it's got so many dimensions to it. And um, self-harming is a big, big issue on the wards. And it, it's something that um, lands me in hospital. So it's something I know quite a lot about. And it freaks out out the staff when you self-harm I mean they really find that very difficult to cope with um, and and it's very problematic for all sorts of reasons so this ward contacted me to say that since they had brought a bunny rabbit onto the ward the rates of self-harming had fallen by 50 percent that's five zero percent now self-harming is one of the hardest issues to get to grips with on wards and the fact that a little bunny rabbit which would cost about thirty dollars could sort that out is is just remarkable and, and really for me there is no excuse for wards not having a bunny rabbit given that we know what a huge positive impact it can have so marion it's just striking me as i'm listening to you you're not only sharing all the best practices, but ever, ever, you're also gathering all of this information just by observing and listening to what's working, aren't you? Yes, absolutely. And the place to see it all gathered together is our website called Wardipedia. So that's obviously like Wikipedia, but with the word ward instead of wic. Um, <laughs> and there we gather all the evidence and hundreds and hundreds of examples of great practice, all the things that make wards truly therapeutic, and they're divided into 77 different features. So it's everything, yes, we've got certainly got features on animals, on gardening, on spirituality, and also practical things about money, housing, jobs, relatives, social media. So that's a, a really wonderful resource, which again, we're only able to do because the wards themselves and, and other patients have generously shared their examples of what has worked. So we, we're a million miles away from a moan fest, as I think you've gathered, and it's all about the positives. It's all about what works well, all about lovely, lovely, realistic solutions to extremely complex problems. Boy, it sure sounds like it. I think about some of the urban areas that I visit in Chicago, Detroit, most frequently. And as you can imagine, the homeless population is quite large. Yes. And as we've come to understand working with social entrepreneurs who work directly with the homeless, either trying to hire them or, or help in some fashion, I've come to understand that almost half of the homeless population is homeless because of mental disabilities or some sort of mental um, illness, which is yes. very difficult for the shelters to manage. 
and difficult for folks to hire them. So they sort of stay on the street. Do you notice something similar in there in London? Oh, absolutely. And I'd just like to give a little plug for another organization called the Lankelly Chase Foundation. I'm very honored to be a trustee of the Lankelly Chase Foundation. And we've, we've moved from being primarily a grant giving foundation to being much more directly involved and, and commissioning pieces of work about people who are experiencing what, what we describe as severe and multiple disadvantage. So that's people who are have a sort of triple or quadruple whammy of some combination of mental illness, trouble with the criminal justice system, either as a victim and or an offender, homelessness, uh, almost always extreme poverty. I mean, poverty is the you know, issue that runs through all of it. Because when you've got more than one issue that is proving very difficult in your life, then it's it's almost impossible, partly from anything else, to navigate all the different services. I mean, it's difficult enough if you're on tip-top form, but actually if your life has just totally fallen apart and there are all these different, very, very separate services who don't talk to each other, it's almost impossible. So Lankelly Chase are trying to have a really sustained attempt to improve the lives of people who are experiencing such multiply difficult life experiences. Oh, it is it is complicated. It's more complicated than people believe. And as you just said so beautifully, if you're able to navigate all of that when you're in tip-top shape, and if you're somehow able to get all of those hurdles uh, jumped over, you still have the issue often of now you don't have a network. It just kind of continues yes. to go on and on. I love yeah. what you're doing because you've you've really verily created a network here of all kinds of support and giving all kinds of information to those. What um, Moving from the social mission, I mean, it's so clearly obvious. We could probably talk for another 10 hours about all the social good going on here. What have you noticed, Marion, with the wards themselves, if, if we think of them as businesses, have you noticed improved productivity or growth of them when you think of them as, I guess, like an enterprise, uh, as a business? There's got to be some noticeable increase in productivity there. Right. I'm afraid I'm, I don't know, congenitally incapable of thinking of them as businesses because in some ways it is the whole market approach that has created just such damage to the National Health Service and so on. So I'm going to answer that slightly differently, if I may. I just wanted to check whether part of your question is about the impact that Star Wars has had. Yes, because I, I can, it's the social impact is so obvious to me. My mind is reeling of all, all the things that you're just touching on as an organization i find when there's a positive effect on the on the services the organizations tend to flourish in all ways they tend to be more productive even in their own cash flow right now the the uh the person i need to refer to here is henry stewart and his exceptional organization called happy and he runs a program called happy people um we Right from the word go, we've been very, very influenced by Henry, who I'm blessed to have as one of my closest friends. Henry's philosophy is that staff should be trusted, supported and equipped. 
And that, again, is, is really going against the trend of a lot of businesses and even statutory services who are so sort of anxious and, I don't know, um, target-focused that they, they just impose targets from the top down and they, and they micromanage and they absolutely disempower and disable staff. Where, uh, and Henry has some compelling evidence on the business front that where staff are, are satisfied and happy and trusted and fully engaged, that the profitability of businesses goes up substantially. Um, I'm afraid people, your, your listeners will need to, uh, um, to Google Henry and happy to, to find out those sorts of details. But how it translates in, in our experience on mental health wards is that um, it, it is exactly as you sort of describe that when staff feel validated and that they have um, a sense of permission to try things out, they use all the skills they have. So rather than being paralyzed by anxiety about getting things wrong and will they get into terrible trouble or even be sacked if they do the wrong thing or say the wrong thing they, there's a completely different culture develops which is absolutely about staff being deeply appreciated for all the professional skills and the human qualities they have so that they are then bringing to work every day their sense of humor their ability to play the drums, their knowledge of football, their knowledge of TV programmes, in addition to their extremely professional psychotherapeutic skills. Can I give a couple of other examples of staff bringing all of themselves to work? Yes, that'd be tremendous. I think this is such good learning and it can be applied in so many ways. Well, I, I, I think so. I, I think that as you say, that the experience of mental health wards isn't at all confined to um, either hospitals or statutory services or, or mental health services. I, I think the whole approach, I mean, as Henry has shown, most of his work is, um, you know, is, is not with statutory services. But for example, some of my favourite examples of staff doing marvellous things on wards are staff who are not ward staff. They're not part of the clinical team. So, for example, one ward discovered that somebody, a guy that works in the post room, plays the steel drums. And what a fantastic skill to have. So once a week, he comes to the ward, they get the old steel drums out, and he has a fabulous session with the patients. Now, for the patients, that means they're getting this rich experience of the drumming and the music, which they wouldn't otherwise have had. They're also having an interaction with someone who is probably slightly more relaxed than the staff are because he's not, he doesn't know any of their diagnoses. He doesn't know anything about them. They're just another bunch of people who he's hanging out and having a good musical time with. So the patients have a very different sort of relationship with the non-clinical staff. And of course, for the guy himself, it's so enriching because it, it makes sense of his whole job, of the whole of the reason why he spends most of his time, you know, delivering letters and parcels around the hospital. It's because of the patients. But on the whole, he wouldn't really have that much direct contact with the patients. But in this way, by generously giving of himself and bringing this fabulous skill to the ward, 
It's great for him. It's great for the patients. And also it means the nursing staff can spend a bit more time with people who at that moment might need some you know, specific nursing intervention. Yes, absolutely. How big is your staff there, Marion? Well, that's I, I would I did want to come on to that, um, and it's it's one of the reasons why uh, my colleague, friend, mentor, guru, hero, hero Jonathan Jenkins is so incredible because Jonathan works um, in social investment to help organisations gear up, and he heroically has been a trustee for many years with us, and we have not gone in that direction at all. It's, it's a long story, but. My mental illness, I've got something called borderline personality disorder, which doesn't sound very attractive, and it really isn't. It's a very, it's a very ugly, messy, slightly terrifying illness to have. And because it's very high risk, um, because I'll just generalise and say that people with BPD tend to be very, very suicidal. So everyone's anxious. And um, what I discovered was that people just... <laughs> They just couldn't cope with working with me. Colleagues couldn't cope with me. Previous trustees couldn't cope with working with me. And and also, I can't cope with that much work myself. So we have necessarily had to keep the staff team tiny. So most of the time, there's only my dog and me. And more recently, we found wonderful colleagues, Nick and Jeff, who are mental health staff themselves who um, are not at all phased by my mental illness and who are more Star Wars-y than I am. Um, I mean, they completely get it. The appreciation, the practicalness, the lightheartedness, the upbeatness. So we've grown to an organization of two and a half people. <laughs> well, you are truly an example of doing so much with very little. And I just recently read a study. You know, there's this this misconception in the world that, you know, all, everyone's all these big businesses. But in the U.S. alone, of all the 28 million small businesses, 26 and a half million of those are considered micro, five employees or less, delivering this enormous impact. So, yes. So many today are making big impact. And I'm lately kind of trying to encourage many do it's okay to stay small impact still happens it's tremendous i mean just look at yourself for as an example you know you're so humbly sharing with all of us but yet you've got 650 clients if you will (laughs) awards and you're sharing so generously all this information it's very inspiring well well thank you um i think the fact that actually because of my illness as well as my I suppose my philosophy we've had to stay small it's meant that we've had to keep a model where all we are is a catalyst that is all we are we're not doing it we're not delivering it all we're coming up with is polite suggestions and some practical resources and so that it turns out is very helpful towards because they don't need us to do it they're doing it and they're doing it very well what they do need is some help to do it even better The Bonfires of Social Enterprise podcast can be downloaded from iTunes, listened to on TuneIn, and select episodes are now available via PRX.org or the Public Radio Exchange, which is an award-winning public media company. For more information and to directly download episodes on your desktop, please visit bonfiresofsocialenterprise.com and find us on Twitter, 
at Bonfires Podcast, and Facebook, Bonfires of Social Enterprise. If you have time, please fill out the survey that we have on the website. It'll help us do what all social enterprises need to do, which is gather data from our listeners so that we can be better servants. I'm Rami, and I want to personally thank you for listening and sharing. Music by Dan Castle and Thomas Rojo. Portions of this podcast have been provided by Rami Jingress and copywritten 2015 Jingress Global LLC and are disseminated by Flatlands Avenue Productions by exclusive arrangement with Jingrass Global LLC.